0: Welcome to Ron's Adventures, the podcast that highlights the adventures Ron Pierce has experienced throughout his 30-plus years following God around the world. Now, in the past, we've heard some funny stories, a few harrowing ones, as well as some inspiring tales of Buddhist monks. Today, with me in the studio are Ron and Karis Pierce. Welcome back, guys. It's always a pleasure to do Ron's Adventures, a little more fun, a little more light, can't wait to hear what you have today.
1: Thanks, Joy. This is going to be one of those stories from China today.
0: Mm, so maybe a little more inspiring than funny? Yeah.
1: There's not much laughs in this one. No. Um, this is more of one of the most exciting things that I've ever experienced, places I've been ever in my, in my life. Um, it was a few years back, and uh, we were in China in a certain location. I won't give too many details on this. And they said, would you like to go to a very special place? So I said, of course. So we packed up. It was dark. It was well after midnight. And we drove to this village. And um, we pulled up in a van, darkened van. And I still remember pulling down this alleyway in this tiny little Chinese village um, town, shall we say. And we pulled in and stopped the car. And we just sat there in the dark, in the van for 10, 15 minutes. I could hear dogs barking in the background. Nobody was moving around Everybody And so was asleep.
0: At this point, are you thinking the very special place might not have been the <laughs> Well, <greatest?
1: laughs> you never know. You just You just sort of wait right. there and, and hope. <laughs>
0: right.
1: Right. Um, so after that, they said, okay, now go, keep your head down. Uh, I was totally dressed in black, a a black hat on and uh, to keep your head low, don't say a word because anybody speaking English would highlight the fact that there was a stranger in the area. So we shuffled off into this little house and um, met an elderly lady. And we talked for a few minutes and they said, okay, follow me. And the brother took me and we went out to this 30 feet away from the little, little house, this little tiny place, was a little building that used to be the beginnings of a cold storage cellar. And what it was, was now a labyrinth of tunnels underneath. And when they took me in, they were taking me into the first underground Bible school in China after the Cultural Revolution. It was called the Bible School in the Wilderness.
0: Wow. And Wait, here's the very first one The very ever. first wow.
1: one ever. And um, when when we got there, I just, I, I I had goosebumps.
0: Did you know where you were? Did they?
1: Um, I knew when we got there and they explained to me where it was okay. and what it was. You knew the significance. I, I knew the significance, right. but I didn't even know it existed prior mm. to this, um, that we could get there. And so, this was a surprise. Mm. And um, it, I'll back up here, Joy, just a little bit and give a, some background on it. Um, it, was, it was 1982. The Cultural Revolution had come to an end. Um, Chinese Communist Party tried to wipe out Christianity brutal persecution, trying to, to um, destroy every Bible that was in the land and all these sorts of things. But the church really grew under that. And when they came out of it, they knew they had to have training. This one lady, Christian family, one night she had a dream, and Jesus appeared to her in the dream in 1982 and said, I want you to be the house that leads many, many people to Christ in China today. And um, the Lord said, I want you to build an underground Bible school. Gave her the plan, shall we say, in her mind, in the dream. And she woke up, told the family. The next day, representatives of the house church movement in China, leaders, came to her and said, we would like you to house a Bible school. And she said to him, she says, wow. you're too late. Jesus already came to me in a dream last night. Wow. Uh, we've okay. already started.
0: Do we know why they came to her?
1: Uh, no. So it's just the Lord. This yeah. is just the guidance wow. of the Lord in two different ways. Ways. One is in a dream and the other is that God gave these guys the word to go and it was a confirmation. Mm. So what they did, the um, husband, wife, two boys, dug for six months out of the underground cellar. They dug this labyrinth, as I call it, of tunnels. And that was the training center that over a thousand students went through in their training to become pastors in China. They could house, at one point they housed over 200 people down there at one time. They had a conference, you might say, down there. Usually it was about 30, 35, 50, something like that. Um, people down in underground. So I went down these steps. And this was all dug out
0: by hand. All
1: dug out by hand. Just the four of them. Just the four of them and how they did it, That's I didn't crazy. want to even know. No. <laughs> um, but the, these tunnels were big. When I say that, I'm I'm over six feet tall and I could stand up. And in the one area, it was um, probably six foot six and wow. wide. It would be probably, I'm going to guess at 10 feet wide. And there were reinforcements down there, and various things like that. There was other parts of the tunnel that were sort of narrow but still tall. I could walk down, maybe hunched over a little bit and um what let me describe it this way: that there was one big training meeting room, and in that meeting room, there was a wire that came down with a light bulb attached to it from upstairs above ground and and there was a a, a chalkboard handmade chalkboard. Mm-hmm on the dirt wall of the cave, um, underneath the light. And this was something <laughs> very primitive, shall we say, very rough. But it was the chalkboard where they trained all these students that came through the school. And some of the best leaders in all of China did in the house church movement, came through this school. So, this was really significant.
0: And the chalkboard was there, you saw the chalkboard or that oh, was described yes. to you? Oh, oh, no, okay. no, the
1: chalkboard right. was still there. Wow. Everything um, had been taken. I'll get to that in a second. Everything but been taken, but that's there. We went down this one little little tunnel and they said the girls would stay down in this area. And another tunnel on another side, that's where the boys stayed. And you could see that still up against the walls were the mats made of long grass that they would put on the ground to lay on. They would go down for up to, now get this, six months at a time. And they would be underground um, three to six months without ever seeing the light of day. They wouldn't come back up. No, they would even cook down there. And there are ways of dissipating the smoke from cooking down there. And uh, the washrooms were down there. They hauled out all the waste um, in pails in the darkness and and dumped it in probably in an outhouse of sort of situation. All this, they would live underground. And then they showed me this tiny little um, tunnel within a tunnel. And it was almost just uh, maybe two and a half feet high and two and a half feet wide and maybe eight feet long. And it it, it it was a hole in the in the wall. And they said, this is where the guest speaker would sleep. And the person <laughs> would crawl in there and sleep. Uh, there was a teacher, shall we say. So that was the honored room. Right. And everybody else slept on these mats. And um, they didn't have baths for months yeah. on end, so wore the same clothes, um, very small rations, meager rations, water was, was just in pails, and they showed me all these places, and then they said this, at the end of this tunnel was a place where somebody was always praying And they prayed there 24 hours, seven days a week while the Bible school was in operation. And when I say that, not the same person, but they would take shifts. But somebody was always praying in that spot as long as this Bible school was in operation. Down another hallway was where they read the Bible. Somebody was always reading the scriptures out loud down that hallway at that point, again, taking uh, turns doing it. Night and day. And therefore, they were praying and reading the scripture underground in that period of time, and the students would study long hours. They would only get small amounts of sleep, and they would memorize so much of scripture. Scriptures or Bibles were smuggled in there, and they would all share a few copies of God's word, and they would all commit it to memory. Um, Sometimes memorizing a half chapter of scripture per day, and they would tuck it away. And so I'm walking around in this place, and they were telling me the story of all that was going on. Literally, and I know this sounds strange, you could sense the lingering presence mm. of the Holy Spirit in the place. I
0: was going to ask you that because yeah, no, it's not strange. It's no, amazing. No,
1: I know. But some people might think so. Like, it's like, ooh, you know. So it's no. Like, no, this was real. This was where you could sense God's presence in that place as you walked around. There was still, a, mm. a, it, it was an aroma of something so Deep, so sincere, so, so spiritually given by the Lord that you could sense it In and, and nobody could take it away.
0: Mm.
1: So what happened was six years, um, this was in operation, over a thousand came through and then it was raided. They found it, the police found it and it was shut down in 1988. So it ran from 82 to 88 and they shut it down and um, they took the father to prison, the police did. And they tortured him mercilessly, and they released him after a month, and he died shortly after that. And um, the school was shut down. The police started rumors. It was well known around the countryside. The police came in from Beijing a long ways away. They came in to see this, and there were over 100 police officers there to shut this place down. It was known as far away as Hong Kong, um, about the what they called it as the uh, Bible School in the Wilderness And um, the police made a big thing of making everybody, tried to make everybody believe that it was a house of prostitution that the Mm. Christians were running. Nobody believed it. Mm. And not only that, but uh, they sold tickets. The police sold tickets to people to go down and see it. The police sold the tickets.
0: The
1: police sold tickets. So, I'm looking around this thing and everything was gone. Everything in the whole place had been taken, as I say. All that mm-hmm. was left was the, the the holes in the wall, you might say, and and the mud, and this chalkboard. And I'm looking at this chalkboard, and it had a hole burned in it because of the bare light bulb that rested mm-hmm. against it, and the heat of the light bulb over time just baked a hole right through it. And I'm looking at this thing, and there was chalk still written on it. Mm-hmm. But there were scratches all through it in the forms of X's. Like
0: somebody had taken a knife to try and
1: clean it off. Yeah. they, they, Mm -hmm. They were so angry at this that somebody had scratched it with a knife. And I said, what happened to the chalkboard? He says, oh, he says that when the police came in. Um, they took their knives, like you said, Karis, and they just started to carve this thing up. Mm-hmm. And it was the chalkboard's about um, three and a half feet wide by about um, two f- two and a half feet, you know, um, right. deep tall. And uh, it, I, I said, "Well, what does that say right there?" And they said, "That is the word for grace in Chinese." Mm-hmm. And you could still see it on the chalkboard. And then the leader said, "He says they couldn't des- they couldn't destroy grace." <laughs> and I thought, oh my goodness. no, no, there's the illustration of all time. <laughs> yeah. So then then we they asked us if we could smuggle it out of the country, um, to take care of it. And I said yeah. And um to me, um, that item that the police didn't take was the hand of God to leave right. it there for all these years. Um so we say, 25 years or more underground. And it was kept there. We took it out of the country. I won't tell you how. We took it out very carefully. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it now sits in our offices here at Empower Ministries. Mm-hmm. On the wall in my office, I consider it to be the Mona Lisa of Christian missions. Right. Because in, in that chalkboard that's now in a display case, that tells the story of what missions is like in China and around the world. Um, it's talking about the grace of God. It's talking about the anger that is launched by the world against us. And it talks about the dedication of these incredible saints that would give up so much of creature comforts of this world to be able to study the Word of God, learn who God was to tell their countrymen about it at all cost. You can't put the gospel in a better framework than this.
0: Can anybody go to this place? Like, is it still there? They haven't filled in the holes. I Do under, people know about it? I
1: understand that it's no longer there. It's no longer there. That's what I understand. Right. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the conditions in China right now um, are not good, and I, um, I, I've i been told yeah. that it's no longer I
0: mean, there. if the police were at one point selling tickets, I don't know how they could get away with that. But that
1: only happened at the beginning. Yeah. Afterwards, it was just left. It was they just didn't, abandoned. They didn't think in of anything of it. Right. You know, these things mm-hmm. come and go. And the police just thought, well, we wipe that out mm. because the church grew massively joy after this. Like, after this, this was the beginning. It was like the turning point. It was the turning oh. point. It was the beginning. They suffered, and the church did grow under the persecution. But then, once the persecution ended, of the Cultural Revolution, it took off. And uh, that's why we've got what is it? 120 million believers in China today. Um, Since
0: 1986? Oh, oh,
1: well, the yeah, biggest it, it, the biggest growth came after that point in time. Yeah. There were still millions probably before that, but that's when it really took off.
0: How does it feel knowing that you got to see that?
1: The responsibility um, is twofold. To tell the story of what it was like. from their point of view, the perspective of what real Christianity is like.
0: Mm -hmm. um, The dedication. Oh,
1: the dedication. The love for the word of God. Just everything that I saw, the prayer, the the fact that no amount of persecution would stop them from their task, all of that. Mm. Plus the fact that we now have the Mona Lisa missions Mm -hmm. in the office and we will preserve it. Right. Um, I, I may have mentioned this to folks before, but We also, years ago, um, had the opportunity um, of getting a handwritten Chinese Bible. The best one, they said, that had ever been produced. It was on a a, um, a notebook, a child's notebook. And we've got that here as well. Mm. And um, therefore, those are two prizes that we have to preserve. Right. Because for generations to come, as long as this world lasts... It's going to be necessary to point to the history and say, this is what happened back then. And these are the museum, shall we say, masterpieces Mm -hmm. of what it was all about.
0: Wow. Well, thank you. Uh, You guys have been listening to another episode of Ron's Adventures, the podcast that reminds us that no matter what, grace cannot be destroyed. Thanks for listening. I'm Joy Kida.